welcome back to the party, my loves, to the listening party with Adam and Mike. Hello. Hello. This week at the party, you find us in a shabby corner, which we're currently trying to tart up with some bunting and some black glow-in-the-dark paint, because, you know, people like that kind of thing. Um, I don't know. I think that implies that we're we're in some sort of 90s-themed corner. Um, it could well be. Well, it absolutely couldn't, because this album, my friend, is strictly of its time. Is it? <laughs> Whilst hearkening back to 20 years prior. Does it? Is it? Was it? Will it? Mmm. So, Adam, what what have you brought with you to the party this time? Well, as you know, Michael, uh, it's Permission to Land by The Darkness, uh, an album that uh, I actually find very difficult to say without uh, it in a sort of <laughs> breathy chuckle. Uh, <laughs> Such are the feelings that the album evokes. It's, um... I'm going to make one thing absolutely clear. Uh, I do not believe that this is a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. But I do like it. So, wh- what made you want to bring it to, uh... Well, why why did you want to chat about it this time? What made... What... Um, <laughs> just for one yeah, thing... But... For one thing, um... You know, I'm interested in the the sights, the smells, the sounds of 2003. Yes, or 2003 or 2006. Three, yes, 2003. I mean, for example, where were you? I was in my last year at high school when this came out. So, my listening to it is infected with memories of being in a sixth form common room and hearing dozens of annoying. 18-year-olds all go, ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. trying to sing you, along you, to it. You're bang right. It is, for me, it is, I'm in my friend's car. He's just passed his test. Mm. It's, it's, he's got a CD player. This is big news. Mm. He's one of the only friends we have that can drive. Uh, and as he also lives in a small village in the arse end of nowhere, that is gold dust. Uh, and so cruising down the A-roads... <laughs> Off the, off, off the West Midlands, whilst attempting to achieve the stratospheric vocals of Justin Hawkins, we all thought we um, could do it. Yeah, I, I, I was absolutely convinced that I could do some of it, uh, and I did already know that some of it was going to be beyond me. Um, I'm working in a Sainsbury's. I'm absolutely convinced that the Darkness are at this point the best band there has ever been. The best band there has ever been. I would like to make it clear that I no longer hold that opinion. Good. Although, I do still like them. I have to admit, um, I've heard this album a lot over the years. I've, I've certainly not listened to any of our other albums, and I could not claim to have heard any of their other songs, knowingly, off any other album or any singles. Well, I think they've released... Four or five or something. Um, yeah, when I had a quick look, more more than I realised. More than you'd think. More than I wanted them to, and quite recently as well. I think the last yeah, album was 2017. They're still, they're still a going concern. Mm. Um, I think what happened was, though, that the first album just sort of went supernova. It oh, went yeah. platinum like five times or something. It they sold cute. a lot of records. And, and that was probably what, the very end of 
when selling records really meant stuff. Mm. Um, then, as we will cover, it disappeared as quickly as it came. <laughs> a blight fricking star. The gossamer web of fame was brushed off the shoulder of life. Um, yeah, and one of the reasons for that is your friend and mine, cocaine. Cocaine! Yeah. So, Adam, now, we, now the sniff of cocaine has come in here. Could you give us a bit of context? I mean, I certainly try. Uh, they were an unsigned band. They were the word of mouth around them was quite enormous, I believe. They played, I want to say, the Carling Academy or some such, or the Hammersmith Apollo. You know, what a big, famous London venue. I think they and played a they played a like a homecoming show before they even signed. Yeah, before they were signed. Um, but that that creates the illusion that there was some sort of bidding war about them. But I don't believe that was the case. As far as I'm aware, there was only about two or three record labels that were involved. I think from what I've seen, um, they, it was almost an anti-bidding war. Um, it's, it's like, oh, no, no, you please, you take them, you take them, which I found quite surprising reading. Not a like, room full of aunties all bidding. <laughs> no, no. Oh, I'll have him. Um, no, it was more of a case of the uh, pop industry. The pop industry, Adam, uh, such an institution, didn't know what to do with them or want them. So it was very much, even though the album became so big as it was, um, certainly no one was particularly clamouring for it in the music industry at the time. Well, they were quite, uh, is, is the word anachronistic? They certainly, they didn't fit for the time, did they? Mm. they although in hindsight, they sort of fit perfectly. <laughs> But they they don't look like any of the other bands around at that time. No, they do not. So, and certainly, I suppose if you're if you were somebody like me, you found them. If you grew up, say, for example, liking Queen, mm -hmm. then you will have taken one sniff of what the Darkness were offering and gone, finally. Yeah. So when you say that no one looked like them, you mean no kind of long-haired, kind of wearing jumpsuits, you know, with torso cut yeah. out, yeah, cow yeah, cowboy yeah. hats, oh, yeah. kind of like that that proper Freddie Mercury. Just now you're talking. One-piece yeah. one boots. Uh, to, you know, something like Steel Panther would end up doing a few years later. Yeah, I think the difference between them and Steel Panther is that Steel Panther, as far as I'm aware, are a joke. Yeah, and they are a kind I of think the, the darkness always... I, I think they believed wholeheartedly in what they were doing. However, I think the bassist has gone on record as saying something like, we never thought there was anything wrong with being irreverent. Mm. Which is absolutely true. They weren't po-faced. No, that, that's quite appealing. Yeah, I mean, I certainly never took them seriously, but at the same time, it doesn't feel like a parody. It feels like they've got an aesthetic and a style that they're trying to Absolutely, yeah, achieve. they... I think they were they were absolutely sincere in what they loved. Mm. Um, it, they were ludicrous. <laughs> Such a ludicrous proposition. Um, I'm going to take one one brief moment here to uh, mention the album's artwork, which is mm. shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really bad. 
So it's a picture of a spaceship and a naked woman. Uh, a, a naked woman with your classic paddles. Paddles and then permission to land written on yeah, the tarmac. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like a Roger Waters album cover. Was it? it? The Guide to Hitch- Hitchhiking? Kind of reminds me of that a bit. That has a naked woman on it with a backpack with a thumb out. Fair enough. It was a bad. It's a bad album cover. Well, by, by a dour man. <laughs> you know, what'd be really great is if we put this um, naked woman just to show a bit more of my jaunty side. Roger Waters is such a burk, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> He's grown into his face, at least. He has. He always looked vaguely simian, whereas now he looks in. Incredibly handsome. Mm. Whereas, as we've said before, the opposite is true of Dave Gilmore. Oh, he's just melted. It was just incandescently beautiful. Oh, and now, yeah, looks looks like a spud. <laughs> 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 Nick Mason, I would say, uh, has the twinkle in the eye of uh, your elder statesman of rock that you'd probably quite enjoy. Down the pub. Yeah, well, in, a, in quite a high-end pub. Mm. A lovely pub in Bath. So, we've got two Hawkins brothers. Which I, I didn't realise there was two of them in the band until I did my readings. I mean, so, you must have huh. noticed. Have you not, did you not look at a photo of them? I honestly can only remember Justin Hawkins. I, I think, the rest I think that's why Justin Hawkins was really worth his weight in gold to them. Mm. You see, <laughs> I remember him. There was him... And then everybody sort of vaguely was aware that the bassist had a moustache. Mm. Their videos were good, though. They were funny. To be fair, I actually remember the videos better than I remember the songs that went with them. And the other thing you've got to say for them is in Christmas Time, Don't Let the Bells End, yeah. we've got the probably the most recent Christmas classic. I I, I would agree with that, yeah. Um I mean, there's been some good. There's been some good Christmas albums. There's been some good Christmas songs. There Adam. has, but we're talking but, about Christmas songs that have permeated into the mainstream, where you're going we'll, to hear them on the radio. That will play in shops at Christmas time. Yeah, yeah. In, in your so, Asda's, your Tesco's. Bob Dylan's Christmas album probably not going to get played in Card Factory. Well, must be Santa Claus might be played. Yeah. His polka song. Um, I'm always faintly annoyed that Christmas Lights by Coldplay seems to have made the transition from novelty song to Christmas classic without me being consulted. No, it's it's not good. There wasn't a public consultancy on that, no. And also Lady Gaga's Christmas Tree. Oh, that's a wretched song. I didn't realise she got involved. Yeah, one of her earlier pop doodars. Oh, that came out and... One of her pop doodars. Yeah. There's two Hawkins brothers. Yep, Justin and Dan. And um, one of the things I do enjoy is that there appears to be a rotating cast of drummers. How spinal tap of them. How very spinal tap of them. And the original bassist is now back. Um, Where'd he gone? Yeah, he went for a bit. He left. uh, He wrote a book, which I was trying to get hold of a copy of. because I thought, oh God, I want to read that. And you thought forty p on Amazon? Not, not doing that. If, if only. I can only assume it was a limited run because oh. that commands higher sums than I'm prepared to pay. I was prepared to pay upwards of four pounds 
Mm-hmm. For the basis from the Darkness's book. We're talking 950 here? I think it's called something like Dancing in the Darkness, which is... All yeah, right. Fair yeah. enough. No, 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> fair enough, you know that. But, um, yeah, right. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not paying over a £5. Hmm. She only gives me a bit of pocket money a week. That is literally true. <laughs> no. Shall we embark? I mean, it's not going to take long. The album's only 20 minutes long. But shall we... It's about 40. It, well, it rockets along, then. It doesn't have to stay its welcome. <laughs> no. Black Shuck. That's correct. The dog that doesn't give a fuck. Is that one of the lyrics? Yeah, it's one of the main lyrics. It's the uh, it's the so the the chorus goes black shark, black shark, black shark, black shark. That dog don't give a fuck. Black shark, black shark. See, this brings an er, you know, an early thing I noticed listening back to Tom. There's a lot of gratuitous swearing in this album. Oh, there absolutely is. the The parental advisory explicit lyrics sticker looms large. In fact. The cover that I've got it has four stickers on the front cover. That's too many stickers. That's too many stickers. And only one of those uh, is saying that it's from Save the Children for 50 pence. What I do like, though, is the fact that this Save the Children sticker appears to be on a pr- on top of a previous sticker for the, you know, the Blue Cross animal oh, yeah. charity. So this particular copy... Has been, has has made upwards of one pound fifty for various charities in the UK, animals and children alike. Which means you're probably at least the fourth owner of that CD. Easily. Wow. <laughs> what heritage should go on an antique roadshow? Yep. <laughs> uh, we've also got your parental advisory, your Mercury Music Prize nominee sticker. It should never have been nominated for the Mercury. And the one with the as that I mentioned briefly before, saying. Five out of five by the fly. Five Ks out of five by Kerrang. Huh. Yeah. Oh, no, no, that is it. The uh, the other sentences just includes the singles and then four titles. So that probably means everyone else gave it three stars. <laughs> or, or, or less. I mean, the thing is, if you were honest with yourself, you'd probably give that, that barrage of singles a good five stars. Because I believe in a thing called love is a joy. Uh, and then there are some other songs, possibly towards the end of the album, where you might go, eh, probably leave it. I mean, we'll go through it as we get there, but I, I really do think by the end of the album, it is just, that song just sounds like this song. and that's We're getting into o- Oasis territory a bit by the end of the album, where it's like, that's just a rip-off of another song. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, oh, they're not, they're not nearly... As naked plagiarists as Oasis naked are plagiarists, but they—I um, don't—they wear ne- their influences on their sleeves. Yeah, I don't necessarily believe that they were the creative powerhouses that they maybe thought they were. <laughs> They're not Lennon and McCartney. No. Uh, something I definitely noticed with Black Shuck is listen to it for the first time knowingly this album in about 15 years it was a lot the, the the riff to be fair was harder than i remembered it being oh, i genuinely think black shucks a jam yeah yeah i mean and also a lot more fart rock than i was expecting as well <laughs> that's absolutely fair it, as well it managed to sound harder and fartier than i remembered <laughs> yeah i think i mean i have 
I've got a lot of fondness for it because I, I like when bands write songs about mythical beasts, particularly when they're from sort of around low lower stuffed, which is where they're from. Yeah. Um, so the, the far east of the still, but still the UK. Um, yeah. I mean, I think what they're trying it to be here is Black Dog by Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. They're not. They're not pulling that off. But no. I mean, and when I say fart rock, I'm meaning very much pub rock band. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it does have that kind of ramshackle. Hey, we we know how to play guitars. And yeah, now, what you've got to say for them is that they are very good at guitars. Oh no, there's some, there's some good old licks on this album. Yeah, and I, I was towards the end of Black Shark. It does by the end of the song when Justin Hawkins is going full falsetto, and just the the way the drums and the guitar kind of just collapse at the end. It does have very much a, a Queen vibe to it. Absolutely. Like however, a great... though, they have the balls, the the chutzpah to end the song on the word wolf, which Queen never yes. did. Oh no, no, I enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah, fair, yeah, fair play. I mean, later on, at one point, Justin Hawkins literally just says, guitar! And that introduces the guitar solo. Now, you can't sit there with your, with your hair and your glasses and tell me that there is not something nakedly joyous about a, shy, a shout of guitar, followed by some guitar solo. Yeah. yeah, it's fantastic. You could yell the name of any instrument and I'm going to be on board. If you, Mike, were suddenly to bellow harpsichord, I would be over the moon. And in fact, I would urge you to go and you know, buy an instrument and gain a basic level of proficiency and then I'll see you soon. Bassoon? Of course. Bassoon! <laughs> Get your hands off my woman. I remember this one being played a lot. Um, I think it was uh, possibly because in the second verse, she <laughs> just says, you can't. Does it? I mean, I'll be honest as well. I, I still can't quite work out a lot of what he's saying with oh, my no. old ears. Please, please allow me. You are drunk and you are surly in Latino lover mode. We all know what's on your agenda. We've broken the code. I've got no right to lay claim to her frame. She's not my possession. You can't. Sounds like Russell Brand. Now, Leonard Cohen, it isn't. But there is a stark beauty all the same. Not since Cohen's avalanche have I been so in despair of a sense of love. Of course. Then we launch from you can't to... Get your hands off my woman, motherfucker. Yes, this is where I put it down. We have gratuitous MFs in here. Yeah, that that refrain uh, goes all the way through the ditty. Yeah, that, that this one feels like it actually could be a Steel Panther song. Yes, it does, yes. Because it feels like it is... Black Shock, like I say, it feels like... They're they're showing a bit of oomph. They're showing look, we can play some guitar on this. We, we can, can play some guitar, but also we've listened to an awful lot of rock music from that period, um, and everybody had there probably at least one song that was about a mythical beast. Yeah, and now here's a silly one where we're going to swear a bit and talk about sex. And it's, yeah, it's over the top and silly. It's a silly song. 
<laughs> it is a silly song, isn't it, everybody? But we could enjoy that. We could all enjoy it, can't we, everyone? Growing on me, um, growing I've... on me has the I would say the accolade of being the one that is within most people's singing range. Yes, uh, it's the first. This is I... the one that people were singing a lot, I think, because it's just that little bit lower. Yeah, they've literally written down. You can kind of sing along to this one. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it's also the first time you can really understand what he's saying because he's not delivering the entire song in that falsetto voice. No, Which he's not. After, after two songs of it straight, you kind of feel like, is, is he going to do that the whole time? <laughs> yeah. Not the whole time, is it? Oh, yeah, okay. he is, yeah. oh. uh, And he's got a very slight speech impediment as well, which you start to notice. Mm. And now, uh, for me, there's a, again, there's much to enjoy lyrically, but um, I particularly enjoy I Want to Banish You From Whence You Came is... Whence isn't used enough in pop music. No, it is not. I mean, it's um, it's a powerful song it, it about sounds... a relationship, probably where they uh, you sort of just get stuck with people. <laughs> well, I think because it was the um, the legend of it that people thought it was about him having crabs <laughs> uh, to, to the point where he actually had to kind of someone yeah someone asked him in an interview about it and he said well of course it's not about crabs you don't grow crabs do you right. i mean he's absolutely right so well, <laughs> why would i write a song about them growing on me the crabs don't grow on you you just have them i mean if it was about crabs it would be called crawling on me yeah exactly Fuck idiots idiots yeah uh but yeah i think i think you're right i think he did say it's it's to do about a relationship and just yeah he, he grows a fondness for someone He's grown accustomed um, to her face. <laughs> grown accustomed to her face. Uh, yeah, it's a pleasant. It's got almost like very light Guns N' Roses style to it. Yeah, it does. But again, it's not as... Axl Rose, even in Appetite for Destruction, and possibly you know because of this, Axl Rose has always come across as a prick who has no sense of humour at all and believes that he's a poet, even though many of his lyrics are doggerel. I get the impression, and I hope that this is true, that Justin Hawkins knows that he's not a poet, but still thinks, ah, I've written words that fit to some music, and sure, guys, we can all have a great time. If we all could, everyone, we would, wouldn't we? Just like the idea that they, they sort of knew that they existed just to allow people to... Bloody well cut loose, Mike. Mm. They're not trying to write Leonard Cohen. <laughs> They're not writing Hallelujah. <laughs> He's writing a song that has been misconstrued as being about crabs. <laughs> not that's one of Leonard Cohen's lyrics can be taken as being about chlamydia. <laughs> They're all... They're deeply considered poetry. There ain't no cure for love. I mean, maybe that is. I don't know. I'd have to read them. <laughs> first we take Manhattan, then you take my junk. It's not one of his lines. I mean, it really just sums up the darkness, doesn't it, when there was a song that could be misconstrued as a song about having crabs. The fact that but, I mean, that was such a compelling 
theory that the lead singer and author of the song was compelled to go, guys, can I just be clear? It's not about crabs. Had to go on the news live at five o'clock to address the nation. And yeah, I mean, it wasn't even, you know, another STD, specifically crabs. Yes. I mean, you read the lyrics and you can see how that that gained traction. I'm being punished for all my offences. I want to touch you, but I'm afraid of the consequences. It could be about crabs. It could be about crabs. Now, I believe in a thing called love is, I think, other than their Christmas song, Mm. a song of theirs that will genuinely last a very long time. This is the song they'll be remembered for. And no bad thing. I mean, this is a song that will probably have them remembered as a one-hit wonder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, in fairness, I think a lot of people remember this album, but I think most people, mm, yeah. like like we have done, have found that they still have this and gone, huh, maybe I'll play that again. Or they've seen it in a charity shop, like I did, and went, oh, yeah, God, I used to have that. Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe yeah. I'll then have listened to it once and gone, okay. I have it now. That can live in the past. Apart from I Believe in a Thing Called Love, which really is, as you say, the one that they're going to be remembered for. This will forever be their encore. Oh, completely. It is... It's their The Thinker. It's their Sistine Chapel. Mm. It's their Alleluia. It's their Mrs. Vanderbilt by Wings. (laughs) It's the best thing they've ever done. I mean, and you can you can kind of hear it in the production as well that that you, almost the the music. I'm sorry, the, the record label went. Oh yeah, that's the, that's the main single because you can almost just hear there's a bit more polish to it. There's a bit yeah. more bells and whistles on. Even down to the like the opening of a track where I love it when songs have the riff or the, the beat, but it sounds like it's played for a radio yeah. before the song kicks in properly. Always I always. Great. I always love that decision in the production to do that. Why? I don't know, but it's worked. But and it's reason. so popular. Yeah. I um yeah, it's it's absolutely wonderful. I really like the fact that in the the lyric, you've got me in a spin, but everything is A-okay. <laughs> A-okay. 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 Who says Lovely. that anymore? But it's terrific. I don't I, think this was the lead single, though. I, it in, wasn't. In my memory, Growing On Me was released first. I think it was, yeah. And I think Get Your Hands Off My Woman was a single as well. Uh, I suppose it might have been. Uh, Love Is Only A Feeling was definitely a single as well. Yeah, I remember the video for that one. Cause that's that's ballad. Where, yeah, because that's where you see him in the bed with his junk out. I seem to remember. Um yeah, I still get a slight Pavlovian feel to this song as well. Just as the aforementioned room full of teenagers trying to sing along to it and just cringing. Oh, God. But it happened a lot, Adam. It happened it a did. lot. But this is I mean, not on the same pedestal as Bohemian Rhapsody. It isn't. But it occupies a similar space in, like, the culture. And that space is specifically... It's probably half 11, maybe midnight. You're in a pub. Maybe it's New Year's Eve. Everybody's having a lovely time. 
this comes on the jukebox. Suddenly, everybody is attempting a, fal- a shrieking falsetto and having a bloody good laugh. <laughs> this is true, yes. And that, I mean, admittedly, you're you're unlikely to want to just pop it on in your home. No. But if everybody was pissed. Oh, yeah, it's a song that you'll be like, oh, no, it's the time. Yeah, I remember being 17. Yeah, and me repeating it to everyone. I used to be in a sick full cover room and everyone took along to it. Yeah, you already said five minutes ago, Mike. Yeah, because you're becoming your mother. Yeah. There's no shame in that. Yeah, and this is just one of those, well, it's one of those, this is the song that just sums up the darkness sound. It's got a simple riff, over-the-top lyrics delivered very over-the-top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's also got lyrics that, um, on one hand, could be romantic, but on another level could be innuendo. And that's... That's the that's the darkness sweet spot right there. Sometimes they didn't bother with the innuendo. They they pretty much just uh, they were talking about nobbing. But touching you, touching you, touching you, God, you're touching me. Come on. Then I believe in a thing called love. Yep, absolutely wonderful. We'll be rocking till the sun goes down. I mean, it's it's that real clandestine air of mystery surrounding the dream. And then uh, any song that has the word ooh shouted three times. Mm. One of which is followed by guitar. Yes. It's a second time on this record, and there are only four songs in. I mean, Leonard Cohen could only manage five songs with ooh, ooh, ooh. Before he went, guitar. <laughs> Casio. <laughs> Tower song. Absolutely. I get the feeling, though, that love is only a feeling. They thought that love is only a feeling was going to be their big one. Oh, you think that they... um, I believe in the thing called love would be their throwaway one, then this would be... No, no, I think they knew knew what they had with believe in a thing called love, but I think the, the record company probably were pushing that one. I think they thought that Love is Only a Feeling is their masterpiece. Like they it's a they I think they think it's their serious song. Mm. I don't know if that's true. I've got no evidence for it. I just think it's not as crude as some of the others. They have lyrics like the state of elation that this unison of hearts achieved. I had seen, I'd touched, I tasted, and I truly believed. I think Oh yeah, that the light of my life would tear a hole right through each cloud that scudded by, just to beam on you and I. I think they think this is their their serious. This is where we this is where we prove the naysayers wrong. Unfortunately, they also use the lyric "an assault my defences systematically failed to withstand," which is it's up there with "banished from whence you came." Suzanne takes you down. <laughs> In many ways, they're sister artists. They really are. Yeah. You could redo this with a, as a companion piece to you know, Songs of Love and Hate by Leonard Cohen. I think, really, it's the only way to appreciate Permission to Land is if you've also just listened to Songs of Love and Hate. <laughs> that said, though, it's got some lovely power chords. Yeah, I mean, I it's... think it has a vibe of a Chili Peppers. I think... 
this is their oh yeah they think this is their november rain don't they oh yeah yeah. And I just realised that the one thing that the, both of these songs have got in common, well, there's probably more than one, is uh, a guitarist sort of stood with wind whipping their hair. Oh, that was absolutely happening, yes. And do I also hear the distinct sound of a mandolin? <laughs> you probably do. I yeah. hear the sound of mandolins. Again, a, a completely inferior composition compared to love is only a feat. <laughs> absolutely wild as the wind is bonds compared to love is only a feat. wild as the wind is the work of a teenager <laughs> love is only a feeling is a titanic composition uh yeah but yeah i definitely there's definitely some mandolins in play here and you Just, could tell ladies and gentlemen the deploy the mandolin the mandolin is in play so, so they got the two chefs from Lady and the Tramp into the studio one day. And... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that happened. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a good song. It I, is, it, it is. is. Nice. I, don't, I just don't know whether or not it's as good as they think it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think any of this is. <laughs> well, I, told, I, told, I can't remember if I told you on the last podcast or when I recently saw you, but they, I read a review of this album which suggested this album is a lot of fun mm. there's much to enjoy it's very competently played they clearly they, they've clearly read done the reading they know the source material inside and out what the album is not is the all-time classic that they think it is yeah because you you were saying i think on the, the end of the last episode that they're thrown back to an age Basically, they're throwing back to Queen in the 70s, Zeppelin in the 70s. Yeah, sort of late but, 70s, early 80s. I think there's a bit of um, there's a bit of Death Leopard in here as well. Oh, yeah. But, and um, a little bit of Motley Crue. But it's... And obviously Guns N' Roses. But it isn't really at the same time. For, for, yeah. one, for one, the songs are all three and four minutes long, whereas everyone in the 70s famously all made eight-minute songs. I think the thing is that um, this is a band that were much more aware of irony than any of the bands that they were aping. Mm. Uh, because it was it was a much more ironic and self-aware time. I mean, can a band whose ethos is basically irony, can they ever, Adam, be truly a great band? I think it depends on what you what your expectations are. As I say, I went to Grillstock in uh, Bristol, uh, supporting artists included uh, Goldie Looking Chain, minus the one that had been on Celebrity Big Brother. He was too big for them by then. <laughs> they, oh, uh, they gave him a pasting. Uh, and the you remember the mariachi band that used to do the Doritos adverts? Oh, mariachi Doritos. Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, mariachos Doritos. Did you they... then also have the guy from the Go Compare adverts? No, but I had my photo taken with the mariachi band. <laughs> it was absolutely superb. I love them. And I love the mariachi also, band. The beauty of this was the mariachi band were playing, and I'd recently come from going to the Who Can Make the Hottest Wings competition, where I'd eaten some of the wings, washed them with a very cold cider, and then, in a, in a tailor's oldest time, Mike, I'd been to the toilet... Without 
sufficiently washing my hands. And then I had to buy another cold cider, unzip my flies, and place it within my underwear in an attempt to regain some equilibrium. Good it God. Was, it was that sort of day. And then culminating that day, the darkness came on, and they were the most fun I've ever seen a band be. I'm going to say they're the most gracious hosts. And, and if you if you view them in that context, which is just, I'm not here as a serious consumer and lover of music. I'm just here to have a good day where I'm going to eat a lot of barbecued food, drink some cider and watch some bands. So really what you're saying is they're the kind of band who will play in front of an audience of people with their nuts and some cider. <laughs> people with scalded balls, yes. <laughs> Hardly Leonard Cohen VO2, is it? There was a man with an enormous long hair and a beard with a big leather apron who'd been cooking a cow leg on a spit for eight hours and then rang a bell when it was finally ready. After he'd served the cow leg, he then climbed on stage and just played air guitar to a selection of rock hits. He then got up and played with the darkness as their lead guitarist. He was just... part, Part of one of his roles was... Because obviously, if, you, if you've spent all your money on Goldie Looking Chain and the mariachi band from the Doritos adverts, there's not a lot left. So there was just mainly DJs filling in. And uh, one of his jobs was after he'd finished rotating a cow leg on a spit, was just to bloody well shred. <laughs> you see, whereas when I went to see Leonard Cohen, a, a lady prepared some sushi in the uh, bar outside. When she finished, she came and performed a haiku to me. It was a different affair, Adam. I think mine was more fun. <laughs> mm, but mine was more considered. Yours was definitely more considered, but mine was more fun. Uh, yeah, I had a great day. The darkness came on. Uh, in keeping with uh, my wants, um, it started to get very busy when the darkness took to the stage. Okay. So I, re- I retreated and watched them from a safe distance by the port loose. Good, because good. honestly, I didn't want anything to do with all that moshing. Back I didn't want the left. I didn't want anything to do with moshing when I was young. Back and to the left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he told a great story, and he said, "If somebody was worse, the effect of if you do want to ask me for my autograph, uh, can you not do it while I'm struggling to get into my jumpsuit and my bits are everywhere, you prick?" <laughs> and then they launched into another great song. Oh, great song. Was that song Giving It Up? No, Giving Up is... Well, it's about heroin, but... uh... Yes. Which is ironic, because they go on to do so much more of it. (laughs) Well, incredibly, I had no idea what this song was about. Uh, I've listened to the album dozens of times. I had no idea what Giving Up was about, because really, I do give up on the record around this point. (laughs) (laughs) The big songs have been and gone. Yeah, the hits. This, this uh, one is. Well, I've just skimmed this, and the very first word I've landed on was uh, brown, sticking that shit into my arms, and then most compellingly of all is the word skag. <laughs> so I'm, 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 I'm reasonably sure it's about heroin. We should run it through the lab a bit more. He's been dancing with Mr. Brownstone. See, that's a better song about heroin. I'm not, not sure. Not from where you're sitting. Uh, yeah, for uh, me, this sounds like uh, Headlong by Queen. There's a dragon I must chase. Honey, I'm the scourge of all mankind. Yeah, I think I thought it was about a dragon. <laughs> to be fair, no one, no one would blame you, Adam, for thinking that. Yeah, but 
I well, didn't realise they'd rhymed nag 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 with skag. Oh, well done. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Genuinely had no idea about skag. I thought it, I, I thought the lyric was, before I'd read it, if there was nowhere else to stick my jag. Uh, which again would work. It's a bit more pompous, but yeah. Well, it is, but listen to the album. Oh, yeah, my, my bad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I mean, I really hope that he does uh, pull through, knock the old heroine on the head. I, I have a feeling he's done several albums about that since. Well, he's, um, I follow him on Twitter and he's he's just got himself a Patreon as well. And I thought, I under, sort of understand why you'd join the Patreon of like a podcast that you enjoy. Mm. You'd get like extra podcasts and so on. But why are you just going to, why are you, why are you joining the Patreon of Justin Hawkins from The Darkness? What is he going to do? You've already got his albums. Is he just going to chat? He, he already lives in Switzerland. I imagine he's reasonably comfortable. What, so you, you're just paying Justin Hawkins to just just pay his wage? In the, in the style of a Victorian patron, yeah. But, but why? <laughs> what are you getting for that? <laughs> a warm sense that you know he's okay? <laughs> I wish him well. but um, Yeah, I do. I don't wish him any ill. But, no, uh, I can I'm honestly not, say I'm... that Justin Hawkins has given me nothing but joy. But... Hey, Adam, I'm not going to pay Justin Hawkins one red cent. One red to... cent until I know where that money's going. I, do, I, I need to have my commission finished. Where are my beautiful words, Justin? Justin, I want another song about romancing a dolly bird. Come on. <laughs> Hawkins! Pull your pen out, Hawkins. <laughs> Obviously, we've enjoyed sensitive, we... considered words. Beautiful, beautiful words. Which is why we can forgive the fact that stuck in a rut begins with the repeated phrase, kiss my ass." Also sung in that lower register. At least you can hear it. At least you can sing along. Yeah, which I assume this one is about driving. I mean, but looking at my writing, I seem to have written stuck in a flat. Which, you know. <laughs> no, you, you've misunderstood. It's about <laughs> motoring. This is, is Justin's considered response. I think so. Uh, give me the keys to any old bucket of rust. Could be talking about sex again. Various. Oh, so this is his I'm in love with my car. I think so. The machine of a dream. Well, I think it's about cars, but also uh, where they're from. So... Yeah, yeah. Turn my back on this shithole in the blink of an eye. I think it might be about small town mindsets and also motoring. Oh, yeah, small time mindset, I can get that now. So what's all the thank you master bit in the middle about then? When it goes all very universal. Where it goes a bit more black shark. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. What's that got to do with it, It's about small town blues. And... It just, it, I mean, it feels like that's just something he started doing in the studio, doesn't it? And they went, yeah, leave it in. Yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was right about Believe It A Thing Called Love. Let him have it. Yeah, I mean, if Leonard Cohen can talk about a monkey and a violin in a song about taking New York, goodness, there's a boffin. 
I I believe that's that's basically the example he used. Yeah. Come on, if, guys, Leonard Cohen. Cause... If Leonard Cohen can talk about that sodding monkey, Leonard, we're going to need a few more bars in here. Very well. Um, a monkey. And, would literally uh, just say a violin. Uh, violin. I see. <laughs> Do you want to take another pass at that, Leonard? Do you want to try a little bit harder? Uh, a squirrel. And a donkey. Fine. The the monkey. <laughs> Angry man in a mirror looking at me. You're just saying me now. Oh, God say that. Old man and a microphone. Do dum 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 do dum dum. Yeah, the riff on stuck in a flat gets very Brian May, Jimmy Page esque towards the end. Yeah, I, I stuck in a rut is one of my. Uh, my my less favourite ones. Yeah, it's it's definitely more in the Steel Panther novelty pile of a song. Yes, uh, I genuinely really like the next one though. Friday night, because it's the silliest song I think on the on an album of silly songs. I like the way it starts with, hey, do you remember me? And it's like, no, I actually don't remember this song and I've heard it sound many times. Well, I mean, it begins with just, hey, you! Yeah, do yes! Do you remember me? And I I think the, the, the where it's just a list of things they used to do, a list of extracurricular activities that really it genuinely amuses me. It, that's kind of almost the definition of a filler song, really, isn't it? Yes, completely and utterly. We indulged in all the extracurricular activities. <laughs> like the so, monkey. Just to be clear, uh, Monday, that's cycling. Mm-hmm. Tuesday, gymnastics. Dancing on a Friday night. Bridge club on Wednesday. Archery on Thursday. And then the titular dancing on a Friday. No, sorry, the eponymous dancing on a Friday night. <laughs> uh, blah, blah, blah then it's uh, presumably, because I think they're on a two-week timetable. Mm-hmm. Uh, Much like it's, us. It's Monday again, uh, rowing. Tuesday, badminton. Getting ready for that dancing on Friday. Uh, ping pong on Wednesday. Needlework on Thursday. Is this a school they're talking about? Yeah. Just... What the hell kind of school is this? <laughs> Some sort of cockamamie school that's got archery, a bridge club, and needlework. <laughs> Needlework. It's, I mean the 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 balls to put needlework on Thursday as a as a lyric is. Well, it's reason I'll, enough to enjoy it. I'll give them that. I'll give them that. I, I I had a strange observation about this song. His vocals don't sound unlike Robert Smith on this one. <laughs> Do you know you're not wrong, and I hadn't noticed that. God, the way she moved moves me to write bad poetry could be sung by Robert Smith. And because he, and this is one of the ones where he's not doing the falsetto, he's kind of doing it down very bit. It's like, is he? He sounds a bit like Bobby Smith. We were particularly cool. <laughs> and the the self awareness of saying, "God, the way she moves me to write bad poetry." Yes, indeed, Justin. Oh, yes. They would have been nothing without Justin, would they? No, no, absolutely not. And that's the main thing you remember about them. 
is that preposterous voice. And the preposterous, like, front man. Mm. I mean, there's... there's, It's one of those things. They're very good musicians. Yeah, they were. They're very good at what they well, do. They but you, you, you don't... Their sound wasn't... Other than his voice, their sound wasn't particularly unique. You took the... You take Justin Hawkins' voice out of it, it is just a pub rock band. Yeah, yeah. And if you were to take any of these songs and have them sung by somebody with a possibly with a slightly hoarser, bluesier register, and then what what you're left with is something that's just fairly dull. Mm-hmm. But his voice is a thing of joy. And I think possibly my favourite title for the I thought song. you might like that, yes. I mean, come on. Love on the Rocks with No Ice. It is a good title. It's a great title. And a solid riff. Yeah, it's another one of the, the big epic ones, isn't it? Yeah, and off Hot on the Hills of my He Sounds a Bit Like Robert Smith, this one kind of sounds like Stadium Friendly Cure. <laughs> you say Robert Palmer. <laughs> it sounds like Robert Palmer, Adam. <laughs> I mean, it goes on for nearly six minutes, so it's it's too long. Yeah, it's the only song on the album that overstays its welcome. <laughs> well, only song. The, the the correct length for a song of of any song of this type is around three minutes. Six minutes is silly. Yeah, especially when it's the guitar side of it, doesn't really do too much. Just kind of goes on and on a bit. Yeah, it's just kind of like, yeah. Okay, okay, mate. Okay. Let him have the one. <laughs> let him have the one solo. Yeah. Fair enough. Towards Fair the enough. end of the album, yeah. I mean, he's soloed all over the record, hasn't he? Yeah, but they've been in short bursts. They're very much like ten-second solos. Which, personally speaking, is probably the correct length for a solo. Mm. You don't want to get into cream territory. I was reading about Cream the other day and somebody, you know when you read stuff and you think, that is it, that is exactly it. Mm. He said Cream were a superb album band who um, were let down by their own live performances (laughs) where they would just let themselves solo for 45 minutes. (laughs) Whereas in the studio, they did tight singles. Great. Mm. You know how you're always reading, oh, actually, we're a bit disappointed with the record because we're really trying to find a way to capture the energy of our live show. Every band ever. You mean your own self-indulgence? Yeah, yeah. Because you're weak. (laughs) Yeah, it goes on too long. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, Holding my own, uh, it just sounds like I would do anything for love by Meatloaf. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I could... I always forget holding my own's even on it. Mm. Da, 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 da. It's, it's like one bar away from being meatloaf. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. I mean, it, it's it, they just they got away from that <laughs> rip-off lawsuit by Skin of Etifer. <laughs> Completely. <sighs> And then the album finishes off with their own version of Thunderstruck by ACDC. No, it doesn't. No, it's not. It's called Making Out, but it sounds like Thunderstruck. Ah, right. Making Out's not on my version. 
Oh. Well, is your version finished with holding my own? Yeah, yeah. Because, sure. of course, what else do you need? Ten tight tracks. Well, the version I listened to earlier had eleven. And making out sounds like thunderstruck. Well, I happen to it... have this album on my phone, so I'm now interested in which version I've downloaded. Oh, eleven songs. Yeah. Uh, even... Hang on a second, please. Stand by. Yeah, it's thunderstruck. It's thunderstruck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm five seconds in. It's pretty clear. That's the Thunder. Thunder. <laughs> ah, yeah. Ah, yeah, that's what that is. Yep. What? Presumably that's why they, they whipped it off the CD. <laughs> right, we got away with holding my own. Meatloaf didn't hear it. Um, but unfortunately, uh, it, all exactly the same people that like ACDC also like us. So it, it it's been pretty it's it's pretty clear. And at least one of them could lean over far enough over his belly to get to the phone to call someone about it. Um, the guitarist absolutely could. He still fits into the original school uniform. Very very small man. <laughs> um, can you imagine being a big ACDC fan? I mean, rather than treating them with sort of benevolent indifference, which is my opinion on them, which is hey, I've got, I've, I've got back to black and uh, back to black and highway to hell and the best of. I'm sorted. Yeah, you're absolutely done. What more do you need? Yeah, and they've they've released two thousand albums. Straight <laughs> <laughs> of one a day, <laughs> blues riffs with people going <laughs> over them. <laughs> Imagine though, imagine being the sort of person that thinks ACDC are the best band ever. The best band in the world. The best band ever. He's brilliant. He's wearing a school uniform and he goes, and then the singer goes, like the thing in Chap of the Hut. No, please don't misunderstand me. They've read some great songs, but then they've made then they've released them all over again. <laughs> yes, they're one of those out. What is it? Then one came out about ten years ago, Black Eyes or something. So, yeah. oh, I'll give it a listen. <laughs> oh, see, it's not, it's not <laughs> it's like, thunderstruck again. <laughs> oh, crack on, lads. Yeah. See, I'm not. Obviously, I'm not needed here. <laughs> As you were. Just, no, I tell you, it's all right. Talk amongst yourselves. I'll see myself out. You all appear to be having a great time. You don't need me. You don't need me here, certainly. <laughs> Bringing down your good time. Please, please. Oh, I see. This isn't for me. It's for ACDC. <laughs> <laughs> Who are they, though? Have you ever met one in the wild? <laughs> what, a fan? Um, not a fan. Because I think everybody is a bit of a fan of ACDC. Yeah. They've got a very iconic look. And again, they wrote Thunderstruck. <laughs> Thunderstruck. Great. You know, more power to them. But I mean a committed fan. The type of person that owns Black Ice and says, actually, I think it's the best thing they've released in years. The type of people who think Iron Maiden's Book of Souls is yes. up there with their classics. Yes. It has no, the lyrics, climb like a fucking monkey. No, it isn't. It just isn't. Everybody knows that with Iron Maiden, if you've got probably three albums, you're done. Basically, anything beyond 92, you're done. 
Yeah, no need. No yeah, need. You're 1980 to 92. You're done. 1980 to 92. So that's <laughs> that's uh, two albums a year. It's 24 albums. <laughs> And the, do you know that after you so you meet somebody, they tell you that um, they're an Iron Maiden fan, that they always, always go with, and he's a pilot. Yes, I know he's a pilot. And an Olympic-level fencer. Yes, he's a remarkable man. I still think he's recorded the same album and he's 80 times. Wonderful documentary about human combustion. Yeah, well, okay, so he's an inexplicable man. <laughs> <laughs> terribly mysterious. A lot, he's a Renaissance man, Adam. I once saw his. Uh, I was at a um, sort of a market in uh, one of the lovely parts of the West Midlands, one of the nicer bits. Was it Ludlow? Um, yeah, I think it may well have been. Ha! Um, I guess. So you know, you've been to the market there, then yeah, by the castle. Oh, I've, I've been nice. to Ludlow. We're talking your exquisite cheeses, mm. uh, thing, quite expensive things made of leather and old wood, and various bits and pieces, ephemera, <laughs> Victoriana. That's all there. And then there is one stall that's got in um, in amongst all of that stuff was just a copy of, what's his name? Bruce Dickinson's autobiography. But that's the only book they're selling. It's not a book stall. They're mainly selling like stuff he's carved. But there's also Bruce Dickinson's autobiography for £25 with a sign saying, signed on it. Going. So you've loved him enough to buy a signed, like, I, th- I presume first edition of Bruce Dickinson's Permission to Land or whatever it's called, you know, because he's got to tell you he's a pilot. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's called, did you know I'm a pilot? You, I'm, I'm, in, in addition to my fencing and singing <laughs> duties, I also pilot the plane. Yes, Bruce. It's not a catchy title, but we'll let it run, Bruce. <laughs> I thought, why, why is that there? I looked at it because I assumed, oh, an old book. Bruce's autobiography, that'll be worth a read. I imagine that'll be, sorry, this appears to be for £25. <laughs> So all you needed to ask for man at the store, I imagine it was a man, was didn't like of Book of was. didn't like Book of Souls then. <laughs> I saw something online the other day saying, "What's your favourite Eddie?" And I thought they're all the same. This is hard. It's a zombie, and sometimes he's a cyborg, and sometimes he's a soldier. <laughs> sometimes he has hurt. Sometimes he's Santa. Sometimes he's a weird floaty thing above an ocean. Sometimes he's a pyramid. Sometimes wearing a hat. So are we are we saying what's your favourite album cover then? No, they were very precise. In the oh world. right, okay. Could, so could I choose the cover of Ace's High single where he's a pilot? Could, I don't know. He's I, a pilot. You, you're misunderstanding. You cannot choose an album. You're choosing no, but the incarnation of the character. In which the case, iconography. I, so of in Iron which Man. case, I could choose the Eddie from the single cover where he's a pilot. I don't believe that could, that could a, be an option. It was a Twitter poll, and I don't believe that was on the options. Was them the rules? <laughs> the rules, the parameters of this, if you will, were ill-defined. I mean, I don't know how Twitter puts up with this murky at best policy on this survey. Yeah, because they're they're normally front how and center when it comes to a Ferrari. Right data. Where are their analytics? How? Where are they? How can we get the crucial data? About which Eddie is the best Eddie? Yeah. So I once knew a guy who had like every Iron Maiden album. They all do. Everyone who likes Iron Maiden has all the Iron Maiden albums. 
apart from me, I have like two of them. Yeah, I've got about two of them as well. And obviously one of them is the number of the beast. <laughs> yeah, everyone's got that. Clearly, everybody's got that. But I mean, when you see that, I think, oh, wow, how on earth do you choose which one to listen to? He didn't own any other records. He didn't need him, Adam. He didn't need him. I, I kind of envy this man. So do I. I mean, it must be easy. When, you know when you're thinking, oh, I'm going on a journey, what will I listen to? Well, yeah, what am I going to move for? He's, he's got it set for life. God in heaven. Just so, That's all he had. <laughs> do I want Where Eagles Dare? Or do I want Can I Play With Magic? What, what am I in the Madness. Move for? I don't yeah I'm just desperately floundering around trying to remember other album titles Um, I've certainly listened to a few Seventh Son of a Seventh Son is one I think Power Slave Brave New Brave New World Peace of Mind Somewhere in Time in fairness Peace of Mind is a good title it is it's a good album I like Peace of Mind I mean again I like Iron Maiden I just think in moderation. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like all things that are fatty for you. So, yeah, um, permission think, to land. We think it's pretty clear what we both think is the standout. The singles, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's the singles, but the actual, the song itself, it's, I believe, in a thing called Love, Surely. Oh yeah, no, and, it, and it, it, that's the best song, and it will forever stand up as that song when it comes on in a bar or a pub or the last yeah, night. Yeah, yeah, you'll, just, you'll sing along a bit, uh, but you'll have... in fairness, it will always have the capacity to make me seventeen again. Yes, which absolutely is quite is is not nothing. No, no, it's definitely... I've got an affection for this album. Exactly. I don't think they were a joke band, but I think they were no. a band, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, and I know that they have made a number of albums since, but... Oh, yeah, and um, honestly, it... I would suggest you do go and listen to the second album, because if you want mm-hmm. to hear the sound of four men throwing it all away <laughs> in in a blizzard of cocaine... Overseen by Roy Thomas Baker, Queen's producer. It's it's genuinely not a good record. I like the title song, uh, One Way Ticket to Hell and Back, but the, the album itself is just, it's bilge. Very, very few people can record on that much coke and emerge with a great record. Uh, Fleetwood Mac, David Bowie, probably one or two others, but not many. Is it one of those weird things where, because of almost the image and the conceit of the band... Could they have ever actually just continued to progress and become like a world-beating band? Like, I'm not a big fan, but like a Coldplay who can change their sound. No, I don't don't think they could. I think they're actually, they, what's actually happened to them is probably, with the benefit of hindsight, probably the best thing that could have happened in that they will still sell records. Mm. They will still sell like tour tickets. They'll sell a lot of merchandise, and the people that love them will always love them. But they don't have the pressure of that level of scrutiny anymore because the the irony doesn't bear close scrutiny, as we've discovered this evening. Mm. 
if you put that record on and just enjoy it, as I have and will do again, absolutely more power to you. If you are going to think about it as art, then it's yeah. going to fall apart. Mm. It's it's a it's a fun album, and not enough people have made fun records. No, it's true. Yeah, and but and it, it is also daft. Yeah, it's, it's daft as fuck. Uh, and it, it's for that reason that I think we'll keep it on the playlist because it's it's oh it's yeah, a fun I mean, pick me up. If the, if the whole like shtick of this is a party, then um, there's going to be late on in the evening mm. when the ale has flown. You're going to be Oh yeah, no, and you can't uh, choose from ACDC's back catalogue because it's too big. Exactly, we we've not got night Adam. No, so make, let's just let's just go make pick. permission to land because we know yeah. where we are. Yeah, exactly. Hey, Mike. Yes, Adam. Whose go is it next? I don't know. Maybe it's time we spin the wheel. Spin it, you fool. (laughs) Mike. (gasps) Oh, it's me. Oh, Oh, bloody hell. Oh, oh. I like the way this is starting into place. Well, Adam, um, I'm going to change things up a bit next time. I'm going to bring something a little more considered, a little bit more good, good, (laughs) a little bit less fun in the traditional sense of the word. I am going with Punishing Kiss by Uti Lempa. Yes. And some of you have not. I I was going to say, first of all, if you compare any album to Permission to Land, it automatically sounds like less fun. Um, but when that album is Uti, Uti Lempa, Uti Lempa, I mean, the title Punishing Kiss it sets you up for what's going to be happening. Yeah, yeah, uh, what a rip snorter. And uh, if you're thinking, I've never heard of Uti Lempa or Punishing Kiss, I mean, it's it's not a very well known album, but I think criminally underheard. And we'll go into more, but Uti Lempa is actually very famous, kind of uh, German. Uh, singer in the style of uh, Kurt yeah. Weill in that they're the best uh, ones aren't they the Germans. oh yeah classic uh, but Punishing Kiss is an album full of songs written by Nick Cave Tom Waits Scott Walker Philip yeah Glass. she's a lot of your favourite people's favourite singer yeah so when I first discovered this album it really was like this treasure trove exists why doesn't everyone know about it and you've also yeah, got who is she and how, how has she got nick cave to write songs for her how has she commanded all these people to come write for her you've got elvis costello on there as well for divine comedy billy bragg yeah you know <laughs> <laughs> worth a thought though isn't it? <laughs> i'm not about... looking for new england how much she hates the tories again and again <laughs> oh put a sock in it Uti. um but yes, no, it's an album. I think there is much to talk about. And it's one of those ones, if you haven't heard it before, I really would recommend you go out and listen to it. Before I haven't I... listened to it in a, a, well, probably since uh, you lived in South London. Hmm. Oh, well, that, that will wrap up this party for now, everyone. Thank you All so right. much for listening. And if you, uh, you can follow us on the social medias. We are on Facebook and we're on Twitter at Party Listen. And you can yeah. also email us if you have any thoughts on any of the albums we talked about already and, or if anything about Uti Lemper, if you happen to have heard it, yeah. uh, at thelisteningpartypod at gmail.com. And if there's anything else on your mind for this time, Adam? 
Uh, no, it's been a pleasure. Ah, oh, in which case, we'll see you next time, everyone. We have a party, we'll have a different vibe with Wooty Lemper. Yeah, yeah, a much more sombre affair. Yes, yes. Till then, cheerio. <laughs>